630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Welcome to the Edmonton Oilers. Dominic Cahoon signed today a one-year deal. It's worth $975,000. Can he help the Oilers up front? Searching for more depth. Searching for more depth. That's been the story for the last few seasons. Cahoon. Not bad last year, wound up with 12 goals in 56 games. Most of the year with the Penguins, 50 games. Then he got traded to Buffalo, played only six games there, and then the season shut down. Buffalo was not in the postseason. The Sabres didn't give him a qualifying offer. He became an unrestricted free agent, kept talking to the Sabres, and now he winds up joining the Edmonton Oilers, and he knows, of course, Leon Dreisaitl. They've played together in Germany. What does this mean for Edmonton up front? We will discuss tonight. And of course, I'm happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. Monday Night Football will keep you updated once it kicks off. It is Tampa Bay against the New York Giants this evening. More football from 7.30 to 8. It's the double E football team coaches show with Scott Milanovic and Morley Scott. We bring you that every Monday as Scott Milanovic wants to stay in the spotlight, keep the team in the spotlight, even though there is no CFL season. My goodness, I think we would have been going into playoffs already this weekend coming up, and uh, the Grey Cup uh, would have been scheduled for, what, November 22nd, I believe, was the day. We would have seen the Grey Cup, not this year. Okay, also... Yeah, later, later this half hour, we should have time for it later this half hour, we'll get to a story that former Oilers goaltender Eddie Mio told about the flight that took Wayne Gretzky to Edmonton. So Wayne Gretzky took off from Indianapolis along with Peter Driscoll and Eddie Mio, and uh, they didn't know where they were going. They, they knew that they were changing teams, and they were maybe going to Edmonton, maybe they were going to Winnipeg. And then eventually the transaction got taken care of. Gretzky became an Oiler. They finished that season in the World Hockey Association. The Oilers joined the NHL, and the rest is history. They won, well, Gretzky won four Stanley Cups. The team won five. But, of course, Gretzky with them for four Stanley Cups and uh, the greatest player in the history of the game. So Eddie Mio has that story and and his role in it. It's actually pretty funny. Okay. My name's Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for checking in tonight. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R E I D W I L K I N S. I have a Twitter poll up tonight. My goodness, already close to 200 votes. It is pretty simple. It's about your Edmonton Oilers. And yes, we're at least a couple of months away from playing games. But you're all looking ahead. You're all wondering, how are these moves going to work out? Can they do some of the great things they did last year? Can they get better in other areas? Here's my very simple Twitter poll. The Oilers' top nine forward group is, you have three options, above average, average, or below average. I decided not to put in excellent or poor. We can lump those into above or below average if that's what you think. Oh, now close to 300 votes. So far, a lot of optimism in oil country about the top nine forwards. Above average leading at 64.5%. Average coming in at 34% and below average only at 1.5%. 
By the way, get used to hearing things like this percent expressed in percentages because it's 7 o'clock tomorrow. I'm going to hand over the reins to some newsy-type people who are going to bring you coverage of the American election. So you'll be hearing percentages and full results tomorrow. Anyway, the Oilers' top nine forward group is above average, average, or below average. You can vote on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And the addition today, Dominic Cahoon. So, you know, here's some of his key numbers. 25 years of age, 5 foot 11, 175 pounds. Described as more of a playmaker than a shooter, but respectable offensive numbers through 138 NHL games. With Chicago as an older rookie in 1819, played the full season, all 82, had 13 goals, 37 points, not bad. And then this year, 31 points in 56 games. So he's right around half a point per game for his career. That's not bad. Who else did the Oilers add this offseason? Kyle Turris, who despite having what was considered by the National Predators a down season, a season that wasn't worth his contract last year, Tourist just under half a point per game. If the Oilers actually get that type of production from their third line, that's a game changer. And that is depth that they have not had in. I'm, str- I'm struggling. I mean, okay, sure. They, they made the playoffs this past season. Uh, I would still argue in my mind, they didn't have a true third line. They had, Two pretty good top lines. I I would say they had a legitimate first line and a legitimate second line, depending on how it was structured. But, you know, even even though there might have been some concerns about the wingers, they still had three really good players that, that elevated those lines and always made them very dangerous. I never really thought last year the Oilers had a true third line. I, I look at the bottom six and the players who were in it, and you can talk about when Gagne was here, Jujar Kara, Gaetan Haas, Joachim Nygaard, some of those types of players who cycled through those positions, Chase on Neil when he wasn't playing higher up. I, I still think what they gave the Oilers, Riley Shane, was more along the lines of fourth-line production and performance when it came to five-on-five with some players who clearly helped the special teams, which is fine and which was an important part of the game and which was a huge reason why the Oilers had a decent team. Riley Shane helped the penalty kill. You had Alex Chase on and James Neal, who could still chip in on the power play at times, but weren't great five-on-five players. So I think here we are looking at the possibility of the Oilers having a top nine that is, dare I call it, a legitimate NHL top line, like top nine players who can move around a little bit, who most of whom would be considered secondary scorers, but who have the potential to do it more consistently than other players who have been cast in that role. And maybe that's why there's that optimism on my Twitter poll. I'm not sure I'm quite there myself to call it above average but I would no longer call it below average because I think if on your third line you have Kyle Turris or maybe you have Dominic Cahoon or maybe you have Tyler Ennis or maybe Zach Cassian has to go play there or maybe, well, here the big maybe is Jesse Pugliarvi and, and, and you guys know I'm, I'm not that sure about him, but maybe Alex Chason plays there. Don't forget about Josh Archibald hanging around. So there are players who can jump in there and who can contribute, who have shown in the past that 
they can at least do something, especially if they're playing with better players. I was just looking at the goal totals from last season. Now, last season was was not a full year. This season coming up will not be a full year. It'll probably be a maximum of 60 games. It might only be 48. I'm going to leave out the big three. We know that they can score. What did you have? Uh, what else did you have last year? Cassian got 15 goals. Neil got 19. I don't know if he gets there again. Chason had 11. Yamamoto had 11 in just 27 games. Archibald had 12 and 62. And then you got the new guys. Ennis scored 16 goals. Turris had nine. So in an abbreviated season of about 70 games, depending on the player and the team he came from, and depending on his injury or suspension situation, for example, Cassie only played 59, you have a bunch of players who got to double digits in less than a full season. And I, I guess I'll give Turris the benefit of the doubt getting to nine. I think he can get to 10. So I do think there's a lot more reason to be optimism for the Oilers, and they have a lot more options up front. And that's one thing we have seen Ken Holland do in his about a year and a half as general manager is he'll take some swings, he'll throw a few darts at the board, and hopefully enough work out to help the team as a whole. Look, we got to be honest here, and I, and I appreciate the, the, the optimism, and I try to be optimistic, and quite frankly... Um, I'm a little bit surprised because I, I know from talking to you guys over the years, some, sometimes you, you lean a little bit pessimistic, which is okay. You've been burned a few times with this team. Right now it's two-thirds saying the team is above average. But I do think we have to look at everything. So Ennis is coming back. Turris, Pugliarvi, uh, we got Cahoon. You know, Yamamoto is going to be playing his first quote-unquote full season in the NHL. Neil, Chase on. It is not going to work out for all of those guys. Somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to have a drop off. Somebody's going to struggle. But if you look at a group of seven, eight players who can possibly fill into those roles with the big three, you should have enough to hopefully uh, cut your losses with the players who aren't performing. And Holland did that last year. And, and, and Holland did that last year. Don't forget about Granlund. Don't forget about... Tomas Yurcho. Some guys didn't work out, but at least they had enough that Shane came in and did his job. Archibald did his job. I thought Haas improved. Nygaard, we'll see, he was injured. But a lot of guys now hovering around the Oilers roster who have at least played in the NHL and are probably more competent than players they've tried to thrust into those roles in recent seasons. So Cahoon has that potential. He has scored to an extent in the past. He wanted to come to Edmonton, and there is a connection with Dreisaitl. Here is Dominic Cahoon on joining the Oilers. I'm very excited to, to join the Oilers, and I hope that we can start to uh, play as soon as possible. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited, and uh, I'm very happy that it worked out like that. All right, and Cahoon talking about how uh, Dreisaitl helped them land a spot with the Oilers. Uh, it helped me for sure a lot. Uh, we have obviously uh, a lot of contact together, and, so when when there was the thing about Edmond, uh, we started talking a lot, and uh, he he for sure helped me with that, and uh, I'm glad for that. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Greaser says Oilers top nine above average for sure, and the Big L says, Hey Reed, I've been called a twit, but I don't tweet. Well, that's clever, Big L. He says the response to your poll is McDavid, Drysettle, and Nugent Hopkins, and any combination of Holland's thrifty work this short offseason pushes their top nine 
above average. 780-496-0063, the number to call or text. We'll dive a little deeper into Dominic Cahoon as we move along tonight. I want to get to that Eddie Mio story about Gretzky's flight from Indianapolis to Edmonton. The Monday nighter just underway. No score early, five and two bucks up against the one and six Giants. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Double League Football Team Coaches Show. 7.30 tonight, Morley Scott. Scott Milanovic. Tomorrow at 7, I will step aside and we will have election coverage. I mean, preempted for a bigger story. My only question is, why not just take the full two hours? No, that's not what I said. Brian texting in, he says, I'm not overly big on Barry, lukewarm on tourists, but so far my favorite signing is Cahoon. Interesting comment there from Brian. Happy to hear from any of you tonight. 780-496-0063. You can email insidesports at 630ched.com. Okay, Dominic Cahoon. We're going to talk more about him throughout the evening. Phil Bork is coming up after the 630 News he would have uh, seen uh, Cahoon play this year, 50 games for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Who knows what it else we'll get to do with Phil. He's a great guy to talk to. Oh, Rob Brown's going to check in tonight. He's always fun too. So here's, uh, here's the deal. On November 2nd, 1978, the Edmonton Oilers of the World Hockey Association. Remember that league? I do. I attended games in the WHA. As a, a very young lad, not even from Evansburg, I, uh, we still would have been living in Alder Flats. But free canned ham for the first person who tells me on the text line that they know where Alder Flats is. Uh, anyway, so Gretzky is uh, playing for the Indianapolis Racers, and there's going to be a transaction. So he gets on an airplane, and they don't know where that airplane is going. Are they going to play for Peter Pocklington and the Edmonton Oilers at Northlands Coliseum? Or are they going to... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. To go play for the Winnipeg Jets in Winnipeg at the Winnipeg Arena. So they're on a plane. And as you know, of course, they eventually did land in Edmonton. Gretzky winds up playing here. Eddie Mio and Peter Driscoll also on that plane. Eddie Mio joined Rob Brown and me on a face-off show in Studio 99 last season and uh, gave us a great story. Now, this is this became part of a produced feature, so there is some music under this. It's not a live band, but here's uh, part of the Eddie Mio story about that airplane ride. We take off, we taxi, and we take off, and we're just literally still climbing, and 
the pilot's door opens up and the uh, guy looks back he says uh, who's going to pay for this and we all looked around and we go, what do you mean who's going to wherever we're going well we don't know where we're going I says oh geez okay um no one Gretz does he's got the most money of all the, me and Peter but he don't it's all in Wayne, uh, Walter's yeah. bank account so Peter Driscoll paid cash for everything and I know he doesn't have a lot of cash on him to pay for this flight so I asked the pilot I said do you take credit cards he handed back one of those old swiper things so I gave him a card swiped it sent it back I signed it and I looked at it gave it back to the pilot he gave me my copy and I'm still just staring at it my something on my face facial expression Peter asked me what's the matter I says look at this and it was something like $8,000 or something right and he says, okay, so? I says, well, do you think they'll check my credit card? He says, why? I says, it's got a $500 Canadian limit on it. <laughs> he didn't check it. We landed Minneapolis. The pilot came back, made a, uh, got a message saying, we're going to Edmonton. All right, there we go. So that's part of the Eddie Veal story. He had to put the flight that he couldn't actually pay for on his credit card. Now, for those of you who were around in 1978 and had credit cards, you know that they didn't have tap. <laughs> Somebody, for, for those of you younger in the audience, go talk to someone who's a little more seasoned than you and get an explanation of how credit cards used to be processed. It involved, what, what would you even call that device? It must have, an, somebody help me here. The, the thing that's, that made an imprint. The imprinter, the slider, you'd put the credit card, you'd put the... Uh, the paper over it and you'd slide that kind of handle thing over top of the credit card, slide it back. It would make an imprint of your credit card. You'd sign it. And then I guess they would mail it in and then they would find out if you were good for the money. <laughs> so that's how Eddie Vio paid for that flight that uh, did eventually get Wayne Gretzky to Edmonton. That was a great story. Eddie Vio is really fun to talk to. I've had a chance to interview him a couple of times. He's a really interesting guy. The uh, canned ham, we're going to have to send it to uh, Dirk and Cochran. He was the first one to identify that Alder Flats is west of Buck Lake. That's correct, Dirk. Hello to everybody listening in Alder Flats tonight. Another texter says Alder Flats is in my neighborhood northeast of Rocky Mountain House. Uh, Wayne says, yeah, near Winfield. It's around there. Yeah, somebody else near Breton. It's in the main area. Yeah, for sure. There we go. Alder Flats. Uh, first hockey team I was ever on. Alder Flats, they they had an outdoor rink. I don't know. I, I think I did an interview a few years ago with somebody from Alder Flats. They, I can't, they might still be outdoors. I can't remember. I, I can't remember every interview I've ever done, unfortunately. Uh, thanks for that. Well, maybe we should do a show from Alder Flats. That'd be fun. Okay, Phil Bork's coming up a little bit more on the new oiler, Dominic Cahoon. It is Inside Sports on 630, Chet. some good text messages about the, uh, the the credit card imprinters and also about Alder Flats. I'll get to those 
a little bit later on this half hour, some some very interesting stories. You guys certainly do amuse me and keep me going some nights. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. Of course, there is an NFL game this evening. Good old Monday night football. Tampa Bay leading the New York Giants, who have only one win on the season. It's 3 nothing for the Bucks with about uh, 5.52 left in the first quarter. We'll keep you updated on that one. Double E coaches show Milanovic and Morley coming up after the 7.30 news. The Oilers have signed Dominic Cahoon. It is a one-year contract that's worth $975,000, so low risk there for the Oilers, and we'll discuss that and some other topics with Phil Bork, color analyst for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and, of course, he used to play for the team. Phil, thanks for making time for us tonight. How's life, my friend? Uh, life is grand, Reed. Yeah, everything's great. Um, just a little disclaimer before we get going, because I'm sitting on the couch here watching that Monday night football game uh, with my lovely girl, Allie, who is uh, how many weeks, babe? 40 weeks. 40 weeks, yeah. She's at 40 weeks. Uh, and so we might have to end this uh, interview uh, real quick in case, because she's ready to pop. So got a little okay. girl on the way. So uh, some interesting <laughs> times in the Bork household. Okay, well, yeah, I think you you mentioned that uh, that that last time. So, okay, if something just just hang up if you have to go. You don't even have to say anything. I can I can figure out. I've done this enough. I can figure out what what to do from there. But I do love having you on. And I should mention, uh, I mean, Pittsburgh m- must be going crazy. I mean, the Steelers are seven and zero. The seven and zero. They're not allowing very many points. Uh, another big win uh, yesterday. Must be all Steeler talk there right now. All Steeler talk. Uh, all the sports talk is about the Steelers. Uh, you know, there's a little blip on the radar with something with the Pirates, a little blip here and there with the Penguins, but uh, it's all Steelers, yeah. Order the rings, 7-0. and They're going 16-0. and They're taking down the 72 Dolphins. I mean, all the talk is on right now. They just beat their bitter rivals, the Baltimore Ravens, in their barn, uh, and they got the Cowboys coming up next week. So, yeah, they're, yeah the city is a buzz, but it's a good thing. Uh, in times like this, you need something to kind of wrap your your hopes around, and uh, yeah, the Steelers are are the uh, they are the the girl of the week, if you will, right now, Reed. Now, did you did you become a Steelers guy, or, or I think you grew up in in the uh, in the New England area? So are you are you a Patriots guy, or are you just not a football guy at all? No, unfortunately, I never was a Patriots guy. Uh, my dad was a huge Gale Sayers and um, uh, Chicago Bears. Fan. He loved Walter Payton the way he ran the ball. So, you know, I I started to kind of point my arrow towards the Chicago Bears, but I never really clamped on. But I became a big Steelers fan when I joined the Penguins in 82 as an, uh, an undrafted player. Uh, so I started to love the Steelers uh, and what they were doing, you know, winning the championships in the late 70s and early 80s, how they did. And, uh, yeah, this I mean, it's, it's football country here. you got high school football is all a buzz right now and the way Steelers are going. But I'm on the bandwagon right there with a, with a cold one in my hand, Reed. Well, I got to tell you, in, in, my, in my lifetime, Phil, and you know, I'm, I'm 46, so now we're up to, what, 122 teams in the NBA, MLB, NHL, and NFL. And if I, if I had to list the top 10 franchises uh, in, my, in my lifetime as a, as a franchise that's all, always competitive, rarely has an off year, has great players, well-rounded teams. Like I, I'd have to put the Steelers. I, I know, you know, the, the, they, they've had disappointments, but they're always there. They they always seem to be in the mix. If they're not a playoff team, they're right there knocking on the door. And what they've only had like three coaches in the last fifty years or something like that. 
Yeah, well, yeah, Bill Cower, and um, you know, it's uh, it's a historic uh, franchise, uh, and you know, they label themselves the city of champions here for for a long time. You had the you know the Pirates winning in '79, and then the Steelers doing what they were doing, and the Penguins, you know, shortly thereafter, they've won five cups in 30 years. Uh, no other team has done that over that that span. Uh, so they still consider themselves the city of champions. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's an expectation here uh, to win. And it comes with the Steelers and it comes with the Penguins. That every year the playoffs are just assumed. Uh, and that's a little bit of cockiness uh, slash arrogance. Okay, I'll, I'll admit that. Uh, but it's, it's an expectation here that the Steelers and Penguins are going to be in the playoffs every year and they're going to go for a championship. And it's, it's fun to be around, I'll be honest with you. It's fun to be around this atmosphere. It's a winning atmosphere, and, and, uh, and I, I do enjoy it. All right, Phil. So tell us what we're getting here. You saw Dominic Cahoon. He played 50 games there for the Penguins last season. You know, his numbers were okay, 27 points in 50 games. He was on with Stauffer today talking about he enjoyed playing with Malkin especially and thought he learned some stuff there. What well, what do you think the Oilers are getting? Is this a guy that can round out the Oilers' top nine? Yeah, top nine. I'm glad you didn't say top six. I think he's more of a top nine guy. He can go up, you know, with the top guys. If he has to, you're getting a really good hockey player. You're getting a really smart hockey player in Dominic Cahoon. And as you mentioned, at 900, under a million, you're getting almost a zero-risk player. Uh, he's a smart player. I'll be honest with you. When he first came to the Penguins, I thought, are you killing me, kidding me? How has this guy scored 13 goals to the Chicago Blackhawks? But, you know, he's, he's a Czech-born player but grew up in Germany. So, you know, him and Leon Dreisaitl uh, have a instant chemistry just from their times with the national team. So it'll be interesting to see if he does play with Leon. I know he's played with some other players uh, there in Edmonton that have worked well. But Dominic Cahoon is a player that can go up and, and play with McDavid. Uh, he, you know, when he scored the 13 goals in Chicago, it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but he did it with Jonathan Taves. He's played with Patrick Kane. Uh, he didn't get a whole lot of time with, with Sid Ogino here in Pittsburgh. But after a real slow start, uh, he really came on, Reed. He, he's, he's a smart player. He's got a good skill set. He's a legitimate NHL player. Every team could use a Dominic Cahoon. Let me put it to you that way. That's probably the simplest way that every team would embrace a player that can get you between 10 and 15 goals, responsible defensively. He's low to zero maintenance. Uh, and just come to work. Uh, I didn't know what kind of personality he had in the locker room, but I hear players really liked him. Once he was, ab- uh, you know, was able to get some goals and, and feel like he was a part of the team, uh, he was able to relax and breathe, and his personality came out. So, you know, that's a great. It's a great get by the Oilers. It really is. You guys are going to be happy with Dominic Cahoon. Uh, I could see him getting maybe 17 or 18 goals. I'd love to see him get 20, but I think your expectations to be somewhere between. Uh, 12 and 16. How's his skating? It's good. It's not great. He's not a burner. Uh, he's got a good first step. He's uh, deceptive. He's sneaky good is what he is. Uh, and sneaky speed where he can kind of pop in and out uh, of holes and, and get open. And again, like I told you, he can, he can finish. Um, he might, fr- might frustrate you a little bit because he's not, I don't think he's a 30-goal scorer, but I think if you realize what you're paying for and what you're getting, uh, I think the speed and the hands and the smarts and all the intangibles 
to come along with Dominic Cahoon, you're going to think, what well, what a bargain this guy is. Okay, well, that's encouraging to hear. And, yeah, if he, I was talking in the first half hour of the show. The Oilers, they still need a third line. So if he's top nine, if he's third line, maybe with Turris and somebody else, maybe Archibald, I don't mind that for Edmonton at all. He's And, and the Oilers, like you said, they got the big three on the team. That's what we call Nuge, McDavid, and Dreisaitl. You played with some incredible offensive players, obviously Lemieux leading the way. You played with Yager. You played with Kevin Stevens. Uh, you know, Joe Mullen could still score 40 when, when you were there. But, you know, the Penguins had a lot of guys like you who went out and did their jobs and, and, and were big contributors as well. Is that, you know, is, is that a, a step that depth players have to take if they're on a roster with star players? Because so, somebody said to me after the Oilers were eliminated, a former NHL player said to me, you know, the depth guys can't just go out there and try to tie their shift all the time. They have to try to be the man when they have the chance to be the man. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about 100%. I actually uh, did something uh, locally here with the local uh, um, television broadcast. I did something local uh, with, uh, with AT&T Sports Network. And that's one of the uh, subjects that we were talking about quite a bit is back in, in those days that, you know, you had the Troy Loney's and the Bob Erie's and the Phil Borks that, you know, w- weren't just happy being on a team with a bunch of future Hall of Famers uh, and kind of sitting in the shadows thinking, well, I'll just kind of be quiet. I'll have my guy. Hopefully I'm even at the end of the night. And nobody notices me, and I, I continue to collect uh, an NHL paycheck. Uh, no, we wanted to be difference makers. We wanted to lighten the load for Mario, for Ronnie Francis, for for um, Kevin Stevens, for Joey Mullen, uh, those guys that scored the big goals, scored a bunch of goals, as you mentioned, 40-plus big point guys. Uh, but you had a bunch of other guys that weren't happy just being on those types of teams that we wanted to be difference makers and we wanted to lighten that load for those guys. So, yeah, Dominic Cahoon could be one of those guys. Uh, Archibald could be one of those guys, too, that they, they want to be difference makers. They want to get noticed. And it doesn't always have to be putting the puck in the net, read, as you know. It, it can be other things that get you noticed uh, and help you win hockey games. I like your team. I've liked your team. I've come on your show for I don't know how many years, straight years now, and I tell you the same thing. I like your team. I think you're a playoff team and can make some waves. Are you a Stanley Cup team? I don't know about that. That might be a stretch a little bit. But if you can get guys like Archibald and you get guys like Cahoon that can chip in with that big goal here and there to kind of put you over the top, and again, lighten that load from the big guys. So they don't go into every single game for Dreisaitl and McDavid thinking, holy Moses, if I don't have a, a two-plus-two night, uh, the chances of us winning are, are very, very slim. That's, I tell you, that wears on you emotionally, and by the time you get, and if you make the playoffs, those guys are worn out emotionally because they've been, have, been carrying such a heavy load all year long thinking it has to be me, it has to be me, it has to be me. So if you've got those other guys that can chip in, which you're starting to accumulate now, then you've got uh, a team that can make some waves. Yeah, I, I like how you put that for sure. Hey, I'll, I'll let you get back to uh, whatever responsibilities might come up for this evening, Phil. <laughs> so thank you very much for checking in. It is always a pleasure, man. All the best. All right, Rita, I enjoy coming on with you. Uh, next time, let's make it a little bit longer, and I'll have an update on uh, little baby Bork, who's on the way. 
Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Phil. That is Phil Fork checking in uh, tonight. And yeah, good. There's a, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a baby on the way. So we got to let him uh, take care of that responsibility if necessary. I think he nailed it. I, I would guess most of you understand that he nailed it. Um, and he kind of said what, I, what I've been saying for the last year or so, that the Oilers are a good team. I don't think they're a great team. I wouldn't put them on the on a short list of Stanley Cup contenders, but I do think they can make the playoffs again whenever we get going. But that's really what it is going to come down to. Can they find players who will be difference makers other than McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins always having to get that big goal? Look at the difference Yamamoto made just having a fourth guy who could produce. And I have to give Archibald some credit. He didn't have a great start to the season. After December 1st, he still wound up getting to 12 goals. The overtime goal he scored against Carolina was a big one. And Bork spoke highly of Cahoon, called him a, a legitimate NHL player. He thinks he's a top nine player, not a top six. Nothing wrong with a third line. And I, I was interested that Phil Bork thought that if it's an 82-game season – Dominic Cahoon could have the potential to get to 18 or 20 goals. I wouldn't quite go there, but I do think he, hopefully he can get 10 to 15. Maybe he can even get 10 if they play around 48 or 56 games. Uh, skating, he said good, not great, but has a good first step. So a little bit of the lowdown there on Cahoon. And Bork, I think, gives us some insight into what Ken Holland is trying to build and what we have known the Oilers have needed the last couple of years. Those complementary players. And maybe players with a little bit of swagger who can go out there and say, hey, I love you, Leon. I love you, Connor. I love you, Nuge. I know you're going to score. I want to get the next big one, though. You know what? It's tied with five minutes left. I'm not just going to go puddle around and try not to screw up till the big guys come on. Maybe I'm going to get the game winner tonight. Okay, 780-496-0063. Fizzler, I got your text. I'm not going to comment on the prediction that you've asked me to make. That's Waters. I just am not going to wade into. I will get to some some other messages when we get back. Three New York Giants leading the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Two minutes left in the first quarter. Monday Night Football, Tampa Bay just pinning the Giants deep in their own end with a punt. First and 10 from the four. Giants get a run of a couple yards to try and get some breathing room on a handoff to Alfred Morris. For the 49ers, it is uh, not good. The team that went to the Super Bowl last year representing the NFC, just 4-4 four and four so far this year after that loss to the Seahawks yesterday. Quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo expected to miss six weeks, possibly longer with an angle injury, possibly longer if surgery is needed. And uh, George Kittle, who uh, I love watching for a couple of reasons. He's a good, tough productive player he's also on both my fantasy teams is out eight weeks with a broken bone in his foot in other words my fantasy teams now suck even worse than they already did i will fully accept your mockery because i deserve it phil bork was just on the show likes the oilers adding dominic cahoon thinks he's a solid third line player Smart, low maintenance, maybe not fast, but skates well enough. 
thinks he can chip in double-digit goals. I hope so. Pretty low risk for the Oilers. One year, $975,000. Don texting in. He says, read the old credit card machines were called credit card imprinter. Approximately 1960. Don, thank you for that. B Money says those old school credit card swipers got me through my late teens and early 20s. I'd go to the Sears catalog office in Sherwood Park. Wow, where we are getting texts from the 60s tonight. Anyway, B Money says I'd go to the Sears catalog office in Sherwood Park and buy a gift certificate for $100, even though I was over my credit limit. Then I would take the gift certificate to Kingsway and buy $5 worth of gas with it and get $95 cash back in change to get me through the weekend. Good times. That is from B-Bunny, who I believe has just admitted to some form of a scam on the text line on Inside Sports. B-Bunny, thankfully, we only have 14 listeners. So only me and the 13 other people listening heard that story. We will never speak of it again. Alder Flats. Mark says, hey, Reed, isn't Empty Town around Alder Flats? Yes, it is, but Empty Town was not there when I lived there. This texture says, Reed, I just turned on the radio and you were talking about the credit card imprint tool, and I was thinking I just had my fleet card done like that at the car wash at Alder Flats. And then you started talking about Alder Flats. LOL, so ironic, but good to hear my local area being talked about. I grew up and still work at Buck Lake. Well, thank you for tuning in from Buck Lake. That's where I went to uh, elementary school. Well, I was there for grade one. Then we moved to Evansburg. So this texture, you're telling me that at Alder Flats, they still have the credit card imprinter. They have not upgraded to the modern machines. Uh, that is, wow, I'm a little bit stunned. Do we, do we not have proper phone lines going to Alder Flats yet? <laughs> Who do we talk to? Do we have to talk to AGT? Alberta government telephones, get them to string some phone line out there. I think, I think that we'll have to get somebody from the, from AGT on the show tomorrow. Uh, Rob at Johnny's Lake says, what if, what if it's 14 cops listening to your show? Well, then B money is screwed. Quite frankly, it's over for B money. He's, he's going to jail. That's it. Thanks to inside sports, inside sports. All your sports insight, and we'll put you in jail. That's the new show slogan. The Oilers' top nine forward group is above average, average, or below average. You can vote on Twitter. My account, at Reed Wilkins, above average, running away with it, over two-thirds. Below average, under 3%. My goodness. And yes, apparently in all their flats, they still use the imprinter for the fleet cards. So maybe you have to do it that way for fleet cards. I don't know. I hardly ever drive my car anymore. I work from home. <laughs> What's your commute like? Well, it's about 15 stairs. All right. Rob Brown's coming up. Appreciate all your texts. You do make me laugh. I do appreciate it. News and weather coming up. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.